Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Well, we'll try to live up to that truth to power, but it's not Newell today. Don Dubuque, uh, Newell will be back with you on Monday. He's enjoying his annual uh, wintertime hunt, so I hope he's uh, very successful for that. All right, it's lunchtime, so it's a good time to talk lunchtime politics. Uh, it's your daily polling update with concise, nonpartisan analysis is the way it's described. And Ron Fauché joins us now to talk more about what's going on at the Louisiana Special Session in Baton Rouge. Ron, good to have you. Always great to talk with you. Well, thank you, Don. Happy to be with you. Uh, if you would, let's uh, explain the listeners about lunchtime politics, what it is. I always like people to understand where representatives who are given opinionated information or sometimes nonpartisan information, where it comes from. Tell me about your, your, uh, your email service, which I am a subscriber to, by the way. Good. Thank you. Um, Don, the, uh, the newsletter is something I started a number of years ago. It's free. Anybody can subscribe. And, uh, and basically, we cover the polls, you know, the latest polls. And, <clears throat> pardon me, not, not just look at the, the top-line numbers, but to get in the polls a little bit and see what they really mean. And, um, and, and I think it really gives people, and, and the reason why we have a lot of readers, we have over 7,000 people who get it, is that they, um, they um, you know, feel like that by, by having an understanding of public opinion and they can read through the newsletter just in a few minutes, they, you know, they, they have a, a good sense of what's going on in politics and also what's going on in terms of public issues like immigration or abortion or, or uh, gun control or whatever else there might be. Well, it's an awesome service you provide because I'm all about simplicity and simple and try to understand a lot of these complicated political issues. And I got a few today I'd like for you to try to be very basic and, and, and give us some information because as voters and uh, people who are represented by constituents that we are uh, supposed to give our opinions to and let them know our desires, you have to be well informed in order to do that. And it's guys like you that, that keep us informed. Uh, primarily what I wanted to talk about was several issues that are going on at the session, but the main one is open and closed primaries. And again, 
please take as much time as you need and be as basic as you can because I'm sure a lot of people like me uh, who don't follow this as avidly as you do need to, to really get a good basic understanding of what the facts are. If you could, maybe tell us the differences between open, closed primaries and what the history uh, here in Louisiana has been. Well, for many years in Louisiana, we had a closed primary system. And what that means is we had uh, essentially three possible elections. The first primary, if you didn't get a majority in the first party primary, and in those days it was all Democratic primaries. There were hardly any Republican elected officials in the state and, and very few, if any, Republican primaries. But, but, it, but in those days, essentially you had a first Democratic primary. If you didn't make the, if, if you didn't get a majority, you had to have a second Democratic primary, and then you had a general election that was was fought between the the the, uh, the, the Republican nominee and the Democratic nominee, and uh, and if any other candidates uh, qualified to get in it, uh, and that was changed uh, beginning with the 1975 state elections. Uh, Edwin Edwards, who had won the governor's race uh, in 71, 72, uh, was literally just sort of tired out, as I think the stake was, frankly, in having three big contested elections in a row to elect the governor. So, uh, so the legislature went and changed it to what was actually a pretty simple system, and that is everybody runs in an open primary, regardless of your party or even if you don't have a party. And the top two candidates, regardless of party, are in a runoff. And uh, so every voter gets to vote in the primary, and every voter gets to vote in the general election uh, or the runoff. And, uh, and, and every candidate uh, gets to run in the open primary. Uh, now, what they're trying to do in Baton Rouge now is, is to close the primary. And what that means, in effect, is that only Republicans can vote in the Republican primary. First of all, you have a Republican primary, and only Republicans can vote in that primary. You have a Democratic primary, and only Democrats can vote in that primary. I'm a registered independent. I have been for 30 years, and which means that I wouldn't get to vote in any of those primaries. I would have to wait until the general election when the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee would face one another. Now, there's two ways they can do it. One way is they can do it the old way and, in effect, have three elections where you have a, a first primary, and if you don't get a majority, you have a second primary, then you have a general election. Or they could do what's called the plurality primary, which means uh, uh, in the party primary, the candidate who gets the most votes even if they get far under 50%, become the party's nominee. And, uh, and so then you have two candidates in the general election uh, who fail to get a majority of the vote, even in their, even in their uh, uh, political parties. A lot of states in the country have that. But interestingly, uh, uh, the Louisiana open primary system is something that a number of states around the country are moving towards. Uh, people aren't, <coughs> excuse me, moving away from that. They're moving towards that. 
and um, and uh, and and there's reasons for that. The first reason is the the open primary system really puts voters ahead of parties. And uh, as somebody personally who believes that the political party system isn't serving the country well, and look, everybody has a right to be a Democrat or Republican, whatever you want. But uh, but I think most people agree that the political party system right now isn't really working very well in the country. And and the beauty of an open primary system is that it puts the voters first. And it also protects the candidates because they all get to run against one another at the same time. Uh, the problem with a closed party system, now I vote in Orleans Parish in the city of New Orleans. And uh, now the city of New Orleans is overwhelmingly Democrat, all right, which means uh, as an independent, I could never vote in a Democratic primary or if there was a Republican primary. And, uh, and I can only vote in the general election. The problem is for people who are independents, and there are many independents in Orleans, Jefferson, St. Tammany, and statewide, 822,000 registered independents. And the problem we have there is, is that uh, in Orleans Parish, even though you might technically have a general election or a runoff that I could vote in, it would generally be meaningless because the Democrats are going to always win at the 70 or 80 percent of the vote like they used to before the, the Republicans had had so much strength in the state. And, the, and, and then you can take a conservative parish like, say, Jefferson or Bossier or Beauregard, parishes where Republicans just do very, very well. And in those places, in parish-wide elections, if you're a Republican or if you're an independent, um, uh, rather, if you're, if you're a Republican, uh, you get to vote in the Republican primary, which is basically picking who wins. But if you're a Democrat or an independent, then you wouldn't be able to vote until the general election. And the election may be over with effectively by then, because the Democrats may not be fielding an electable candidate, just like the Republicans may not be fielding an electable candidate in Orleans Parish. So, so there's a lot of drawbacks to, uh, to a closed primary system. And I would say, finally, that no election system is perfect. You can always find flaws in an election system, find some results somewhere that didn't seem to go well and but, uh, but for the most part, the, uh, the open election system has served the state pretty well. And, and to go quickly go to Baton Rouge and to change it without having given it the thought and, and study that it needs uh, and, and without giving the people of the state, I think, an opportunity to really look at this and think about it, I think it's the wrong thing to do. You know, all these legislators were elected in an open primary system. So now, now they're going to go change an election system under which they were elected uh, with. And I don't recall many of those people uh, attacking the open primary when they were elected or saying they didn't want it. Uh, Governor Landry, for example, was elected twice as attorney general under the open primary system and, uh, and, and was elected governor under the open primary system. So it seems that 
And, and when you look at who has been elected since 1975, you've had more women elected, you've had more blacks elected, and you've had more Republicans elected since 1975. So it doesn't look to me like the open election system has kept people from participating in the process. In fact, it seems like it encourages more people to participate in the process. Ron, you've done a fantastic job of explaining it very basically. We're going to take a break, but we come back. Uh, I want you to talk about this bill that has passed the House and is moving on, exactly what uh, the implications and provisions are in it, because I'm finding out that it's not as simple as closed and open primaries. There's things like partially closed, partially open, open to unaffiliated voters, top two, top four. There's a lot of options when it comes to state primary elections, and maybe you can kind of narrow it down the one that is uh, being considered in the House and if there's any amendments to it, and if it passes there, what more will it take to get it to become, in effect, law? We're talking with Ron Fauché. It's lunchtime, and we're doing lunchtime politics. Got a question or comment? We welcome you to our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. We're back right after this. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. And we hope that you are enjoying our lunchtime politics conversation with our good friend Ron Fauché. And, uh, Ron, uh, before we took the break, we were talking about the different uh, options that we have. Um, if you could, tell us about what the, will actually happen if the bill in its present form, and I, I'm not sure if there's been any amendments, and I think if it's going to survive, it's probably going to need a few amendments put on it. But in its present form, if it is passed, and from what I understand, it's a constitutional amendment which would – require both houses to give it two-thirds approval, and then you'd have to have the governor, which we know he supports it, and then it would actually call for a referendum, a vote by the public. Um, if, in, all, in fact, all that happens in its present form, how will things change here? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, uh, like we said before, you know, the 822,000 registered independents, uh, uh, would basically be left out in the cold. Uh, I know the uh, proponents of the closed primary hate when I say that, but it's true. You know, uh, you're basically putting um, 
almost a third of the electorate in a position where they they will rarely vote in a meaningful election anymore unless they're in a, a district or a parish that's close and, and where you have, you know, legitimate party competition. But other than that, it would be a problem. So, so that would be one issue. The other issue is um, some people will have to decide whether they want to continue to be a registered Democrat or a registered Republican or a registered independent or non-affiliated voter based on the primaries they vote in. And, uh, and that's something that they would have to, have to deal with. Uh, then the state election uh, department is going to have to spend, I've seen many different numbers, but they're all in the millions of dollars, uh, to retrofit the system so they have adequate machinery and personnel uh, to, uh, to handle a uh, closed primary because you have to keep in mind that under the current system, everybody shows up and everybody can vote if they're qualified. But if you have a closed primary, uh, voters have to be, in effect, uh, segregated by their party affiliations. And uh, so only Republicans can vote in the Republican primary, and only Democrats can vote in the Democratic primary. So that that changes how the whole system is technically operated. Now, can they do that? Sure, they can do it. Uh, you know, states around the country do that. But it is going to cost more money. And, uh, and it is a disruption to a system that, frankly, has been working pretty well in the state for some time. Well, uh, like you, I have uh, been registered independent since I was 18 years old. So this basically would disenfranchise you, me, and the other 821,998 independent and undeclared voters. But uh, I would like to offer what I would call Don's amendment to this, because I've seen it done in other places. You could actually amend this bill to allow independents to choose a primary election that they would like to vote in but one or the other. In other words, if you're an independent but you're leaning more conservative or you're leaning more liberal, you could actually choose to vote in one of the primaries, the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, which would give that party a little bit more balance in the choice of its candidates. Do you think that would have any merit? Uh, I think that's better than a pure closed primary, but but the uh, but what they're looking at now is and look and all this can change when it gets to the Senate and then there could be uh, amendments then they have to agree to amendments they might have a conference report so you don't know how the mechanics of this could change in the next few days but but uh, but yeah something like that I think uh, is is better it's potentially better uh, although you know you wonder if you're going to do that why not just have an open primary yeah you know? true yeah. true. Which would be simpler and easier. And, and would are, probably save us about $9 million of retrofitting. Well, well, it would. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting, but all these people who got elected under the open primary are now supporting uh, a closed primary. And why is that? Is it because all of a sudden they realize that's such a great, beautiful system and the current system isn't? Or is it because they think they can have added advantage some kind of way? And uh, one thing the political scientists will always tell you is no matter what kind of election change you make, it can be good, it can be bad, whatever, it's always going to have unintended consequences. Things are going to happen that you didn't expect. 
And, uh, and so, of course, we don't know what those consequences could be. Um, you, you deal an awful lot with polls, very familiar with them. The, the closest I can find, and you can tell me if you think this is close to accurate, 65% of the people in this state are opposed to a closed primary. With that kind of percentage, do you think it has much chance of passing? Well, you know, I saw that poll. Uh, I actually had a chance to briefly discuss it with the, the pollster, John Cuvillon, and he, uh, you know, explained the numbers uh, on, a, on a phone call we had. But, um, yeah, I mean, my, 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 I haven't done a poll on it and haven't, haven't seen anything else on it, but my guess is a majority of the people of the state would prefer the current system. And, um and, and frankly, if, you know, if you're running for re-election to the legislature and if your district has 30 percent, 25 percent, 35 percent independence, um, you know, you're going to have to explain to those people why you voted for an election system that's keeping them out of the process. And, uh, and so, so, you know, the, there is a political downside to uh, – to, uh, Members of either party, Republicans and Democrats, I think, voting for closed primaries. And, uh, and, and I think the reason why it was done in this special session is that it could be done quick, that the opposition wouldn't have time to organize. They could just go get it done and, uh, and move on, as opposed to having it go through a, a long, regular legislative session where, where people had weeks and weeks to look at it and have hearings and talk about it. So um, so there, it looks like they're on the road right now to do something that uh, is controversial, that is unlikely to be supported by most of the voters in the, in the state, and, uh, and is going to make a change that n- nobody can really tell you what it's going to produce other than, you know, effectively disenfranchising in most elections. 822,000 voters. And the other thing that I fear is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to further pol- uh, polarize the parties, uh, that the Republicans uh, would have less interest in worrying about uh, moderate Republicans or you know, moderate conservative Republicans, and the Democrats would have less interest in worrying about moderate Democrats and Democrats who aren't so part of the left, and so both parties become, Republicans become even more to the right, Democrats become even more to the left, and, uh, and, and so that means there's more polarization, less common ground, and less people working together to get things done. Ron, one of the arguments I've heard for closed primaries is that will uh, eliminate a tactic that they say is being used. In other words, if, let's say there's a, a Republican primary going on that a lot of the Democrats will vote in it and they will go for the weaker candidate to try to bring the balance up for a, a moderate or, you know, say a Republican or conservative. Is that a, a legitimate argument that, that that's being done? Is there any evidence of that, that one party goes to vote in the other's primary to bring down uh, the, the favored candidate, the one that would be more closer to that, that well, party's base? Well, of course not. I mean, there is no party primaries, right? There are no party primaries right now. So when people go vote, they vote for who they want to vote for. Uh, if they think somebody has a better chance to win or somebody has a better chance to win 
in the in the runoff or something, they can cast their balance that way. But um, but to have party primaries uh, uh, probably would encourage people to do what you just said more than the current system. Got it. Because, Ron, because you could you could do that anyway. I mean, if I had a favored candidate for something as an independent, uh, I could drop my independent registration. They'll become a member of a of one of the two parties to vote in the primary. Now, I think that's perfectly ridiculous to have to, first of all, for the government to tell people they don't have a right to be, <clears throat> you know, to pick their party or to pick not having a party. And, um, and then you've got the, the people moving around and the, and the extra expense and administration of going from one party to another because you want to vote in that primary, which is what happens in some states. Uh, for the very purpose of what you said. So I, I think the open primary system actually protects against that, maybe not perfectly, but better than a closed primary system would. Agreed. Ron, if we can, switching topics, uh, if you can explain the basics of this redistricting, redistricting issue that's going on there. Well, the uh, <clears throat> make a long story short, uh, the the um, the federal courts are saying effectively that Louisiana, uh, because of the, the uh, extent of the African American population in the state, should have two districts that uh, an African American candidate can win in. Uh, practically speaking, uh, currently we have one, and uh, and. It, uh, and Congressman Carter is represents, uh, you know, part of New Orleans and goes up into the river parishes. And, and that's the one district where there is a clear black voting majority. Uh, what they're saying now is that uh, we need to carve out a second district. And to do that uh, does two things. Number one, it, it creates a second uh, uh Democratic district, likely. And uh, yeah, and it also means, of course, one less Republican district. And the, the current plans that they're looking at uh, effectively would leave Congressman Garrett Graves, who is a Republican in the Baton Rouge area, without a district. And uh, because he would either have to oppose, uh, you know, go in another district and oppose Mike Johnson, who's the Speaker of the House, and that's not going to happen. I'll oppose Julia Letlow, who is a popular uh, member of Congress from North Louisiana. And, uh, or he'd have to run in a district that had a majority black voting strength, uh, which, which means uh, it would also have uh, a, a majority of Democratic voting strength. So, so it will effectively uh, make it very difficult or Graves or some other candidate to be able to win that seat. So on the one hand, uh, here's a case where the legislators are sort of uh, being forced here because they have to they have to do something. They have to create another district, and if they don't do it, the federal judge is going to do it. And uh, so so they're sort of in the middle of that. And of course, you say, well, is it? Uh, are they going to do the right thing as a political thing? Well, on reapportionment, they all, everybody does. They always do the, the political thing. 
and uh, and that's what happens. But when when your when your hands are tied in terms of of the demographics and what you can do and can't do to rebuild these districts, there's only so much you can do. And uh, and of course that's the that's the big issue. Now then the the Supreme Court, uh, you know, is is in the same situation, and they're talking about adding uh, some seats to the state Supreme Court. And uh, there's a lot of political cross currents there. Apparently, the the governor and the chief justice aren't political allies, so uh, so that's a factor. Yeah. So, with the reference to the Supreme Court, I think there's some. Uh some provisions for how you elect those justices, how they're actually put on or changing how it's done. Right. And, and, you know, again, we have to see where it goes, you know, talking about one proposal and one amendment uh, is likely to be more confusing than not. So we're going to have to just wait and see where, where it goes from here. But, uh, but at this stage of the game, the governor seems to have pretty much control over the process right now. And uh, I, I think they could uh, ultimately they could have a problem in the Senate on the open primary, the closed primary bill. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at this stage of the game, they seem to have uh, the votes and, and, and effective control over a lot. Very good. Well, we've talked about the open closed primary, a little bit about the redistricting and the Supreme Court. When we come back, Ron, if you would, just touch on this insurance bill. Uh, I got a little bit of confusion on that, and I'm sure a lot of other people are too. That's another issue that's being discussed at the special session of the legislature. We're talking with Ron Fauche, Lunchtime Politics. And if you got a question or a comment, we invite your calls. And uh, maybe I'll get to some of your text messages. I'm apologizing. There's so many of them. I don't know how we'll be able to get to them. But that number is 504-260-1870. And we'll be back right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread. 
who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. And helping you keep informed with uh, local and uh, national and statewide politics. It's called Lunchtime Politics. It's an email, daily email newsletter. You can uh, subscribe for it. One of the easiest ones, just ask your name and email. That's all you need, and it's absolutely free. Ron Fauche is with us, and we're talking about some happenings in the special session in Baton Rouge. And, Ron, there's a bill up there dealing with uh, insurance. Can you explain what that bill is seeking to accomplish? No. (laughs) <laughs> I can't. Uh, uh, I uh, I think when people uh, comment on things like this like, that I'm doing, they, they're supposed to comment on it whether they know anything about it or not. I would prefer not to. I haven't I haven't watched uh, what's been happening in the last day or two on on insurance legislation, and I don't know where the bills are. So so I'm just not sure. And would and would advise getting somebody who has been following it much closer than I have. Very good. Always uh, best to, uh, you know, that's, I've always said that about this station in particular. You're not going to BS your way through it. The listenership is such that uh, there's somebody out there that knows the answer if you don't, and they know if you don't. So I appreciate that. Um, I, I do have some, some questions here. Someone, and this is a novel idea, I don't know, and I'm sure there's a simple explanation. They want to know why couldn't there be an independent primary? Would that even be a thing? Well, it would be possible. Uh, you know, the state does have an independent party, and, and, I, and I need to make this distinction. Uh, I, for example, am a, 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 an unaffiliated voter, as most people are. We're not a member of any political party. Mm-hmm. So we consider the, ourselves independents with a small I. There is an independent party of the state. Uh, I know the people who run it very well. And, uh, and, they, uh, and they very well could, could get into a position over time to have an independent primary. And, uh, and if that was the case, then it would uh, give independents more say in the process. The problem is, is that if the independent party didn't have uh, the political strength that the Republicans and Democrats have, then it would be very hard for those candidates to get elected. So you're now back to where you are, but uh, but but it, it is something to look at, and it is and it is a possible way to get around something like this. At least some of the the problems with it. I have another suggestion here that says the independents can simply change their registration in order to participate in the primaries, and I guess that's true. But is that practical? How long does it take to change a registration, and then back again if you decide you want to vote the other way in the next one? Well, that's true, and we, and we discussed that a little bit before. Uh, you can always switch your parties, and, it, and, and you know, if you wanted to vote in, in a, a party primary, you could always switch and do it. 
The problem is, is that uh, that's the government telling you you can't be an independent. It's the governor and the government, in effect, telling you you have to be a member of the political parties. And the U.S. Constitution doesn't mention anything about political parties. So forcing people to be a member of a political party, I don't think is is what you want an election system to encourage. Uh, and as you said, there's also administrative problems. The, the person who wants to switch parties and switch back has to go through two transactions. And uh, so the state's voting uh, departments and, and registrars of voters and all have a lot more work and a lot more effort to do. And, and the point is, if, if you're going to do that and you're going to force people to do that, and that's the only solution to a problem, and why create the problem with a closed primary? Just have an open primary. <laughs> exactly. It seems like any way they want and vote any way they want. It seems like an answer to a lot of these arguments and the negative impacts is always comes back to the same thing. Well, just keep the sure. open primary. That's the answer for it. And understand that closing, it certainly strengthens the base of those parties. But as far as uh, what it does for the entire citizenry and especially the independents is is not the way to go. I got another question here. This is interesting. Will those 800,000-plus independents be paying their unfair share of tax burden toward the cost of those primary closed elections? In other words, would we have to pay our share to implement whatever it's going to be, nine-plus million dollars to retrofit the election process when it doesn't benefit us at all? Well, of course, uh, independents will have to do that, just like all voters. Uh, There's no... Uh, a provision in the state budget to say, well, you know, certain members of political parties get a break on something. Uh, so, yes, uh, independents, just like Democrats and Republicans, would uh, would have to share the cost of that. Got it. Ron, thanks so much for being with us. I, I learn so much every time I hear you when you're on the air and also when I get your email. And, again, it's simple to do. If you would, explain to people if they want to get uh, briefed daily on what's happening uh, on with their party officials and also from uh, some of the campaigns and the polls. Uh, how do they sign up for Lunchtime Politics? Uh, just go to lunchtimepolitics.com and, and give us your name and email, and we'll start sending it to you. Very good. Ron, thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. That's Ron uh, Fauché with Lunchtime Politics. Again, very easy to get signed up and a lot of information. And best of all, it's free. All right, we come back after this. Uh, we're going to kind of maybe get to some of your text messages I missed, and also we'll find out what Scoot's got coming up in the next hour on the Scoot Show here on the Big 870 WWL. All right, that was a very interesting uh, lunchtime politic visit with Ron Fauché. I always learn a lot when I listen to him and, and get his daily emails that are sent out. And uh, let's see, somebody, uh, i got several texts here I wanted to get to. There's so many, but uh, some of them are representative of the majority. I wanted to share those with you. Uh, on that insurance issue, I'm hearing a lot about this. We really need to get someone on to talk about uh, this insurance bill that's in the special session. But we said their homeowner's insurance was 5000 last year. Jumped to twenty five hundred, total of seven thousand. Why? But why? Uh, well, from what I'm understanding, uh, this has to do with what's called a three year rule, where they're trying to require these insurance companies to guarantee that you, know, you will be covered for at least three years. Um, the result of that, they would raise some rates, 
And, uh, you know, in the past, there's some companies who just took premiums, didn't do any investing or holding for payout, and then they left the state and left the people holding the bag, and they just pulled out. And uh, what I'm thinking is this is trying to correct that situation. Well, maybe we'll find out more about it. All right, coming up right after the top of the hour news is the Scoot Show. He joins us now. Scoot, what's got, what you got coming up today? Don, we'll talk about the uh, Jazz Fest lineup for 2024. Um, some big names, and so we'll play some of the music from some of the people who have been announced. Uh, we'll talk about Mickey Loomis's press conference and a few things that he said yesterday. Uh, we'll talk also about Governor Landry's um, idea of closed primaries, and a lot of people are against closed primaries. Uh, there's an open primary for some elections here, closed primary for for some, but this, this idea of closing more primaries is not uh, really popular with a lot of people, so we'll talk about uh, that and, and Governor Landry's motive in having uh, closed primaries in the first place. Also, the crew of tucks can throw toilet paper. I mean, you know, it's it's everything is normal when the crew of tucks can throw toilet paper. There was a controversy over this. And, you know, for the most part, I mean, you put toilet paper in the toilet, so it's pretty biodegradable, right? Well, now that I've learned that tuxes can throw toilet paper, I can sleep easy tonight. Well, I, I know because it's, it's just one of those things that just sort of holds our culture together. You know, tux not throwing toilet paper just knocks everything off balance. And also, we'll talk about political stereotypes. I mentioned it yesterday about uh, people who uh, drive electric cars. They're perceived to be liberals, but that's not true. Own a bunch of guns, you're perceived to be a conservative. Why do we have these political stereotypes? Because there are so many people who break the political stereotypes. So we'll be uh, we'll be talking about that on the show this very, afternoon. Very interesting topic, Scoot. All right, tune him in. He's coming up next right after the top of the news, and I'll be back again tomorrow from 10 to 1 and then 5 to 7 on Saturday morning. Hope you'll join us. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 